when the heat goes out because you have a bastard landlord. That's, that's New York speak. <laughs> yeah, if your heat goes out, you might not have the energy to go call your landlord to ask for help, right? You're just going to sit there in the cold, literally just sitting on the couch, literally Netflix and chilling. Right. <laughs> Welcome to What the If. You've just entered the If Zone. Do, 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 do. Philip Shane, documentary filmmaker here, and Matthew Stanley as well, on the... What instrument would that have been? Um, the piano. Uh, theremin. Is it really? The, uh? That would be my guess. Yes. Yes. We are a couple of dudes... I could just end the description right there. Yeah, that's all you need to know. Who love science. And uh, I make documentaries about all kinds of things, but uh, I love science. And when I can do science, I, I do that. I did one on Einstein once for the History Channel, and uh, that's how I met yeah. my partner here, Matthew Stanley. And uh, you described yourself as? A historian of science. Historian of science. And we're going to get right to it today. Just a, just a quick touch of the mailbag. Uh, we we got a wonderful uh, we we appreciate all the digital letters you send in digital form and other things. But here's a special one we got on uh, on Twitter. One of our biggest ifers, Jackie Krapensky, and Jackie again. Tell me if I am getting your last name pronounced correctly or not, because I say it a lot. It looks like Krapensky, <laughs> and I'm going to admit I just it just sounds like some character from a 1970s TV show. Karpensky! <laughs> you're in a lot of trouble, Karpensky. You're in a lot of trouble. Jackie, you're not in trouble because you're a wonderful mother with... You tweeted us and you said, I will admit that my son and I geek out to your podcasts in lieu of bedtime stories. This just started last week. He falls asleep about 35 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> not from boredom, though. LOL. He says, nonchalantly, of course, these are cool, Mom. How cool is that? I know. I think the only time in my life I've been called cool. Yeah. <laughs> Especially by a 10-year-old. And she, just, she says he is a wildly curious 10-year-old. Over snow days, off of school, he started a story about a teen alien who crash-landed and was captured by Nazis. Mm -hmm. They are auctioning him off as we speak. Ooh, story went dark. Yeah, but, uh, it, it happens. Look, if you bring in Nazis, that's what they do. That's good character analysis. And then she says, the Nazis are the first to go <laughs> in the invasion. Hooray! Oh, well, that's, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> he uses Google Translate for German phrases because he doesn't trust my memory. Hashtag amazing. <laughs> Hash, uh, 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 emoji smiley face with hearts for eyes. Indeed. Shout out to you, Jackie, and to your curious, brilliant science and science fiction and alternate, what, what do you call that when it's history? Uh, alternate history. Uh, alternate history. Yeah. Alternate history, speculative fiction son. 
And uh, if he's got any questions too, send him in before he falls asleep. We understand. <laughs> By the way, what I'd love to know what's the last thing. He, last thing he thinks about. What yeah. is it that really just nips it in the bud? Welcome. If you've been here before, if you've stayed up longer than 35 minutes through the show, that's fantastic. We don't actually go much longer than that. But here we go. Another idea submitted by uh, an iffer. That's a fan. That's a listener. You are all iffers. If your idea gets chosen, you are elevated to super iffer. And it's rising to the throne this week is uh, Hallie Franks. Hallie Franks, who submitted an idea, and she says, what the if humans were cold-blooded? <laughs> I love this idea, and I must, I've just got to say it. Are we not already, Matt Stanley? What does that mean, cold-blooded? Ah, good question. Yes. So there's, let's see here. The basic function of life, in some deep sense, is that we, uh, living things, take energy and do stuff with it. That's kind of what it comes down to. Right? Living things take energy and do stuff with it. Yeah, <laughs> so that, that, that's my technical. I think Darwin, that's how Darwin described it. So usually what that means is you take food mm-hmm. and your body breaks it down into convenient energy storage units. And then that energy is used for things like walking around or petting cats Right. All the, <laughs> right. the, the important things you have to do right. with your life. Now, but I, I think I can even, I just want to just want to narrow in right there. And when you say food, I think what you mean is you put something in, it may or may not be food. Your body then decides, is this something we can do something with? Uh, yeah, I should say, th- I, I would generally recommend you decide if something is food before, before you put it in your mouth. <laughs> yes. yes. And that shouldn't be too hard. Right? right. Right. But you live in Brooklyn, so who knows what kind of weird things people are serving in restaurants, right? That's right. Yeah. It's artisanal <laughs> mystery. So the uh, that process of, I guess those two processes, breaking down food into useful units of energy and then using that energy for uh, useful things like making your muscles contract and therefore walking around. Those are all chemical processes. What those come down to are molecules interacting with other molecules, sometimes pulling a molecule apart, sometimes making a new one. And there's a very important detail, which is that the speed of chemical reactions and their efficiency depends on temperature. Oh, oh, I didn't realize that. Of course. So depending on the particular reaction, most reactions have a a peak temperature that they particularly like, right? And they'll go at other temperatures, but there's a temperature they they particularly like. So for instance, cooking, right? Right, right, right. The the reason you cook things is because there are are structures, uh, there are molecular forms that will occur at certain temperatures and not others. And those, some, some of those molecular forms change the taste. Sometimes they change the texture. Sometimes they become easier to digest. So if you 
if you crank up the temperature to a certain point, then those reactions will happen uh, more quickly. So you don't just mean, for instance, like something will be frozen or not frozen, although that would be maybe the most basic kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Um, but no, we're talking about actual um, flopping around of, of atoms and molecules. Oh, okay. Forming new things. Right, right, right. right. This has a lot of the, the fact that um, the chemical reactions that make life work depends on these uh, these temperatures. So so that's the reason we have a body temperature. Oh, right. Yes. It's not an accident that our body temperature is what it is. That's the that's the best temperature at which the chemical reactions that keep us alive work. Wow. Now there must be like. There's all kinds of different reactions. So yeah. I assume they, this is sort of the average of what they want. Well, these are the, the most important ones. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, right. uh, uh, the ones that liberate ATP, if that's, if, if you remember your high school biology. No. What is ATP? It sounds like an agency of the government. Uh, do you know triphosphate? It's sort of the, uh, the, the basic chemical unit of energy for our bodies. Mm, interesting. So the reason we have that body temperature is because our body works the best at, at that temperature. And this is why um, fevers are dangerous, for instance, uh, oh, is because oh, your oh. body is now not at the correct temperature for those reactions. Oh, interesting. See, until now, I simply thought the fever was just like a byproduct of everything working overtime. So it, it was like a signal that... I mean, it is a signal, right? It's, it's your body's attempt to burn out nasty things very often. But the reason a fever is bad is because your body can't do those biochemical reactions. It's in its preferred way anymore. So the actual work of being done, the, the work of the body fighting against a, uh, illness of some kind, an imbalance yeah. or something, makes more heat, and then that heat adds to the problem. Right. <laughs> so it's literally just like my computer, for instance. It's kind of like chemotherapy, right? Chemotherapy is just poisoning your body and hoping the bad things die before the rest of you does. Uh, and that's essentially what a fever is, too, is the, the, the body's uh, kind of doing this brinkmanship thing of, I'll take us all down. Oh, really? I didn't realize it. I thought, I thought they just, just like that the bad things die before you do. Or it's sort of like issuing, sending out white blood. Is You have to send out as many white blood cells as you can to try to capture the bad things. Yeah. And those white blood cells, if you have a lot of those, it's not good to keep a lot of those around. Yeah. But we're just thinking about the, the temperature side of things. All right. Um, so this is also the reason why uh, being too cold is bad. Literally, your body cannot keep the biochemical reactions going if it's too cold. The molecules do not want to interact the way we need them to. Uh, right. It's not just that. It's not just that it's uncomfortable or it's not like the blood slows down in your veins or something. It's that inside your cells, uh, energy is not being liberated the way it needs to. Wow. So way before you get to things like, oh, it's just because, like you said, the blood slows down or organs freeze or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like these, these reactions stop happening. Yeah. Interesting. So this is great, right? That our, our body knows what temperature it needs to be for maximum uh, energy liberation. 
the price of that is it takes effort and work to keep the body at that temperature. All right, so we call that homeostasis. Um, so uh, the body needs this whole regulatory system to sense what temperature it's at. And then if it's too hot, to cool off, and if it's too cold, to heat up a little bit. So it takes quite a bit of effort. So this is one of these, these kind of ironic circular things is it, it takes extra energy to keep the body at the place where it can generate energy. You're saying that there's a whole system that is that its function is to measure the temperature. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It, yeah. It's not just that like all these chemical reactions, if they start to slow down, some other part starts to speed up. It's there. There's this. Well, there's this one system that's that, that is that's right. That's the system's job is to keep it that way. And if that regulatory system gets interrupted or something, you're in big trouble. Right? You will not. So when we say when we talk about warm-blooded creatures, that's what we mean. We mean the class of animals that maintains homeostasis at a certain temperature so as to maximize energy usage. Right. Maintains homeostasis. Yeah, okay. They, they have to... Oh, in other words, we have this system which we have something which, right, which we need we, we need to be regulated to keep working. Well, actually, I guess we're, we're going to say that maybe cold-blooded also needs to be obviously at a certain temperature. Yeah, so we'll do the cold-blooded in a minute. So this is the... So we, the, the, the distinction is that we have this thermostat system yeah hvac hvac right so this is so the advantages of being warm-blooded are you essentially have energy whenever you want it because your body's constantly running at this peak efficiency temperature so evolutionarily that's great right so if i'm sitting here petting a cat um and then all of a sudden i'm attacked by a bigger cat i can jump up and run away Right. I've got that energy ready to go. And you shouldn't have been. Why were you petting that cat's kitten, that mother cat's kitten? You shouldn't well, have been doing that. Kittens are very soft. You can't <laughs> not pet a cat. <laughs> <laughs> At least they are in my house. You're petting one cat and the other cat gets jealous and comes right. over and attacks you. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. So that's one strategy that evolution has figured out to deal with this problem. The other strategy is cold-blooded critters. So cold-blooded critters have the same thing going on. Like lizards also run on ATP cycles. So uh, they too only process energy most efficiently at a certain temperature. But they don't have the thermostat. So they have to rely on the general temperature in the environment around them. And and is it because did they evolve before? Is is the temperature system? That's right. The temperature system is a late evolutionary trait. Yeah, because you need a lot of nervous structure uh, to make that work. Um, but cold-blooded critters have been around for a very long time. So if you're cold-blooded, you have to. W- you, uh, your body will liberate and use energy depending on what the outside temperature is. You have no control over that thing. So you just have to wait. So if it's a warm day, that means your biochemical reactions are moving efficiently. 
and you can cruise around and catch flies or dig or whatever it is you're interested in doing because you're a lizard. But if it's a cold day, then your biochemical reactions are running really slow. Ah, so you go to sleep or something. That's right. Because you, there's no, you, you literally cannot produce enough energy to do anything interesting. Now, of course, the lizard doesn't know, we assume, like, mm-hmm. oh, I need to get a warm, get warm so I can get the ATP running. Right. Yeah, the lizard just knows that if it lays in the sun, it has enough energy to go partying. Right, right, right. Or even I, I would imagine evolutionarily also that it feels better. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I, I can't I can't speak to the internal state of the lizard mind. But it's uh, it's a very but it's um, it's a definite thing. So that's why sometimes lizards will just sit there and do nothing. It's not that they're lazy. It's not <laughs> that they're protesting something. Uh, it's that it's too cold for their body to generate the energy necessary to do anything interesting. Now, that's interesting. It, it never occurred to me. I, I don't know that the lizards are generally accused of being lazy. Oh, yeah, it's a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're the worst workers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, so, the, for instance... Because you got to keep the office very warm. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So they can do things. Yeah. If you have... That's why if you have a pet lizard or snake, say, you put those heat lamps in, um, in the cage with them. It's not that they're uncomfortable when they're cold. It's just that they're not very interesting. So you put the heat lamp in and then they have enough energy to actually do stuff. Yeah. Okay. So that, yeah, that's interesting. See it more sort of, uh, from a just sort of symbiotic or ecosystem point of view. Yeah. Heat goes up, animals get active. Heat goes down, animals slow down. Mm -hmm. Neither, neither, obviously neither of those things being a choice. That's right. It's just a, a function. So there's big evolutionary advantages to being cold-blooded too, which is that you don't need this whole regulatory system, which is great, right? That, that saves a lot. Um, and when you're not do, if you're cold-blooded and you're cold, you're not doing anything, you don't really need much food either. So that's a, that's a pretty big advantage is you only need food when you're doing stuff. Oh, okay. So I, first I was thinking, well, if you ate more food, you would warm up, but that's not true. They, they don't have that system, right? It's the, the other way around that when it's warm enough, the biochemical reactions run quickly and then they need food to, to fuel that reaction. So there's a, okay, there's a potential diet in there. <laughs> that's less than here, right? The cold, the cold room diet. That doesn't work for us though. Anyway, so in, yeah. in times when it's cold or you don't have much food, right. you can just not do stuff. And then, but that's okay. So if you and I don't do stuff, if we don't walk to the bodega and get food, we'll die because our body is no longer getting the fuel it needs to maintain homeostasis to keep the temperature where it needs to be so we can stay alive. Now, depending on what you buy to eat at the bodega, you yeah. may also die. Oh, uh, that's true. I'm thinking um, Ding Dongs. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. Shout out to Hostess, not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> but the lizard doesn't have to do that, or at least not to nearly the same degree. They can just hang out, and their body uses very little energy when they're not doing anything interesting. 
So that's good. So overall, they need fewer resources to stay alive. So that's a pretty good strategy, right? Uh, so I imagine, though, a warm-blooded creature has an advantage in that if a warm-blooded creature wanders into the cool area where the lizard is just has no energy, yeah, he that's might right. get... You, we can still function fine in the cold area, so the lizard becomes our dinner. Right. So he might get eaten or something, which is probably why they learn to like hide or burrow. Or yeah, that's right. And they have adaptations that, that, that work well with that. But for instance, if the lizard is petting a cat, and then the bigger cat comes to attack, if it's cold out, the lizard cannot run away. It does not have that energy. Right? It says, pity so, me. I love yeah. this kitten. <laughs> it's like, ah, I just have to kind of sit there and wait. <laughs> And I should say I'm I'm uh, exaggerating a little bit because one of the things um, uh, animals can do is store some energy too. So cold-blooded critters can uh, they don't generate much energy when it's cold, but they can store the energy that they do. So they can get these little bursts of energy sometimes too. So the lizard might be able to get away from the cat. Right, if the fight or flight thing right. yeah. kicks in. But and but it's gonna it's going to lose any extended race because you and I can just keep going. Well, <laughs> our bodies will just keep going, um, but the lizard will use up whatever energy reserves it has and get cold and get eaten. Yes, I think if I had to run from a, a lizard, maybe like a Tyrannosaurus, for instance, uh, I would. Um, well, honestly, even if I'm just late for the bus, I might poop out fairly soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. Right? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so speaking of dinosaurs, you know, because they are reptilian the assumption for many years was that they would be cold-blooded like most reptiles are and that's why for a long time we had the image of them as these kind of plodding creatures because cold-blooded creatures are kind of plodding right for the most part they don't do much they, they minimize their energy expenditure and then you know late 20th century thinking comes to be that maybe they're uh, they might be warm-blooded after all. And then we get Jurassic Park-style raptors that run after us. Didn't even realize that. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Now, I, I have to ask, uh, before we jump into the fascinating what if, what if we were cold-blooded, mm -hmm. cats, again, the stars of this show, is really yes. <laughs> science, yeah, but really basically. Whatever, it's really about the cats. The cats, because I think cats are ruling the world, and um, this podcast evolved in that environment. So they can get their news. You know, our cat, when the sun is shining in, if there's like sunbeams coming in, a shaft mm -hmm. of light comes in in the late afternoon, she will go lay there. And she loves, where if there's sunlight, she likes to go sit in that area. Yeah. It, but are the cats are not cold-blooded. They are not, but it's the same process. So it takes work to maintain our body temperature. So if we can get some, if we can, uh, if we can get an external source to help keep us warm, that saves us energy. So in evolutionary terms, that's a good thing to do. So humans like being warm too, right? I mean, we also right. seek out. That's right. That's right. Sunbeams and yeah. clothes yeah. and subways and things, right? All the, the places where you can be snuggly and warm. Exactly. What the, if there were no more sunbeams? <laughs> no. <laughs> Shout out to Sunbeam Bread. That's right. And we, um, you know, you're, we've got a, a general sense of this too. So on cold days, you have to eat a little more. 
Ah. <laughs> right? You might not you might not think of it that way, but that is the case because your body t- needs more work to keep yourself warm. Right. And so so in other words, we we create a situation where our digestive system needs to work hard or it's just it's just being I see the food gives you that energy which you can then convert into heat. Yeah. The food is like coal. The food is like coal. That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 Again, shout out to hostess. My preferred <laughs> Forms of coal, so it's cream-filled coal. Mm. Now, Hallie has challenged us, challenged us, for which she will receive a finger puppet, by the way. More about that later. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. What the if we humans, if I may count myself among them, were cold-blooded? All right, so what does, hey, let's just jump, I, I want to do, uh, like, super fast, boom. What does the world look like? Well, human activity, social activity, civilization will generally depend on ambient temperature. So the Norwegians get nothing done. Oh. Because it's so cold that... They have to wait for a warm day before they have enough energy to do anything interesting. That's right. And actually, so we could say this uh, this is in the period before humans learn to make tools to modify things. Right. Yeah. Once we've got tools, then we can, that changes things up a little bit. But it's interesting that actually what we're saying is as an indication of how we are not cold blooded, the -hmm. Norwegians were very productive. That's right. This is the great irony, right? Right. As as opposed to then, say, Florida is this immensely exciting and productive place. (laughs) So, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think realistically, you know, one of the, I, I think, most interesting features about the human species is that we have filled every single spot on the planet where we can live, right? We've just every tiny little nook and crevice and spot of dirt in the ocean, human beings have filled. But if we're cold-blooded, that's not going to happen. There's, there's no reason to leave the, the warm zones, right? We're going to be very sensitive to the ambient temperature. Right. Or those that did evolutionarily, they would be killed off by other creatures that may have adapted better. Yeah, you'd have an enormous disadvantage. Um, so there's just no reason to migrate to Siberia. In, on this earth, mm-hmm. the humans live in a more narrow belt around the equator. Yeah, that's right. Until, as you say, we develop tools. Um, and now fire is enormously advantageous, not just because it lets us cook food and craft things. But literally, if you're sitting closer to the fire, you can do more stuff. Okay. Oh, yes. You become... So, but yeah, okay. So this would be an interesting. Here's a taking the if even further. It's not just that we're cold blooded, but in fact, at the other end, the hotter we are, like we, we you might say, we we have a wider temperature tolerance. Like in other words, a lizard. When we were talking about the lizards mm-hmm. in the real world, as they get warmer, it isn't true that. <laughs> If you heat a lizard up to like 200 degrees, he's just going to be super fast. <laughs> That's right. There's still a correct temperature that the biochemical reactions prefer to happen at. 
So here, here's an interesting thing to say that if our, if it's that we're not just we're cold blooded, but like the proper temperature for us and presumably most life on the planet, since we all evolved together, if what the, if that were much higher so that a campfire wouldn't do it? In other oh, words, yeah. Other so words, that would be, yeah, that would be a different, difficult thing. Yeah. The, ener- the whole, whatever energy problems we have now way worse would be way man like the industrial revolution or before the industrial revolution there would have been a heat revolution that's right (laughs) where i assume fire was but yeah the societies that figure out how to heat their offices have an enormous uh advantage over those that don't so what if instead like how hot is a campfire might that be hundreds of degrees hundreds of degrees right so let's just say if let's say that the temperature at which the life really evolves or, or just can tolerate and gets much, much better, better is like thousands of, so let's say 10,000 degrees. Yikes. So you would, the society wouldn't move forward in the way it has. Let's like, certainly the invention of fire was a big thing, right? Yes. In other words, just wearing pelts, you're not going to get up to 10,000 degrees. Oh, you are not going to get up to those degrees, no. So the first tribe that figures out how to get, and it's probably by accident, <laughs> like, how, okay, now how, how do I get 10,000 degrees? That is very hard. I assume a machine. I mean, the I should say the surface of the sun is thousands of degrees. Oh. So getting up to 10,000 degrees is really hard. Oh, this is good. Yeah. Wow. So you, it wouldn't be until we had nuclear power. Yeah, that's right. That's kind of cool. So nuclear power, oh, so see, see how the if evolves. Basically, nuclear power becomes the equivalent of the moment humans discovered fire. Uh, yes, but it would take a long time to get to nuclear power without fire first. Right. right. But if you're cold, you're going to keep, you know, like, oh, it's still chilling here. It's only 2,000 degrees. Yeah, you might not know, right? Because right. you never encounter temperatures like that. That's, that's uh, what I mean. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is interesting. And so then a further part of this, if that we discover, is that this, these alternate humans, uh, cold-blooded humans, as they're evolving, also don't... Like, we know that the top... We very quickly encountered both fire, let's say, or something, which is, hey, that's enough to to keep us warm, right? Mm-hmm. That's That'll do as an alternate thing. But we also know that it's not that much above that that it's bad. Yeah. Like, we kind of a pathetically exactly. narrow... It's a pretty narrow window. Yeah. So they wouldn't encounter that because for whatever reason, they, they actually are extremophiles. No? All right. See, what yeah. the, if we were extreme, no, extremophiles being creatures that can live in incredibly hot yeah that should probably be a separate uh if yeah yeah but well ten thousand degrees so it was interesting is that they were cold cold-blooded extremophiles who didn't realize it so to get up to ten thousand degrees actually then like the first humans that wandered into say yellowstone park or mm-hmm. Yosemite, is it? Aren't, aren't there like geysers where you might reach 
there are geysers that's um, where extremophiles live there. Yeah. But I guess not 10,000 degrees? Not 10,000 degrees. 10,000 is really hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rein that back. I'm going to rein that back. So, so what might be the hottest temperature somebody would experience unusually above fire? We're actually kind of edging into deep questions about the history of biology here. Because one way to look at this is the reason that life on Earth evolved to use ATP reactions for energy is because the the materials for it were available and the temperatures that are found on Earth are good for that reaction. Does that make sense? Right. So this extremophile thing might have been like as if that would only work yeah, if right. we came so from another we, planet. If we'd evolved on um, uh, Mars, say, which is much colder, presumably life would have chosen a chemical cycle that worked better at lower temperatures. But all, but this is these are very hazy questions. These are essentially the questions of the emergence of life. Why does life look the way it does? Why did it evolve here? Why do we have just one basic biochemical reaction as opposed to like four? Right? Why didn't a bunch of different biochemical pathways all evolve? And these are these are profound questions that. We certainly don't know the answer to. And this one, is it that just for animals or? This, this uh, no, we're all the same. It's like the same way we all share DNA, right? Every living thing on earth. So even plants also have just this one. Yeah, the same biochemical And everybody uses it a little bit differently. But, but what it comes down to is, is the reason we can eat plants, right? They, they have the same kind of energy structures we do. And yet we can say that life itself. So, so, well, like you said, yeah, humans could live we have found a way to live in very, very extreme places, even obviously Antarctica and stuff, and, and also in the Arctic. But li life is seen even broader. As they said, life finds a way. There's life living in, like, in, in geysers, and mm -hmm. these extremophiles are living in, in rocks and underground and all kinds of crazy, crazy. Yeah, all kinds of crazy stuff. Situations. So if humans were cold-blooded, another thing that would be a problem is that in another species that was in other words, the, one of the reasons we have been able to dominate the planet, if we see it that way, is because we are warm-blooded, that that plays a big part yep, in it. That's exactly right. We can just, whenever you're in the mood, you can get up and get your spear and go hunting. And that is an enormous advantage, right? You don't have to wait for a sunny day to go look for food or build a nuclear bomb. You can just do it. Essentially, you could probably even say that, yeah, it's one thing we, we, we have evolved to with the ability to eat uh, other animals, but also the, the need to use their skin, for instance, for warmth is like yet another impulse to really, like we really need them. Yeah, that's right. Because, because we're in that, we need to keep our bodies at just the right temperature for those biochemical pathways. And if we don't, then bad things happen. So in fact, cold-blooded, because there's cold-blooded and warm-blooded, but then even within warm-blooded, there is a range of things. Like there are warm, maybe warm-blooded things that, do better in a much warmer environment. And yes, that's right. So 
yeah, cats have a different body temperature than we do, right? And that's because these uh, these biochemical pathways happen in the context of a living being, right? They're not they're not all isolated. So there's lots of stuff going on. But okay, so but the important <laughs> distinction yet again is actually isn't. Cold-blooded means you do not have a self-regulating temperature mechanism. Yep. It's on you. You must move or generate heat. So I, probably what would happen is that the we certainly had a need, and generating heat is a big part of human civilization. Yep. However, it would have been really a big part. Like, we would be way more... De- it, it, that way, the heat right. going out would be dependent. worse... Ah, okay. So when the heat goes out, because you have a bastard landlord, that's, that's New York <laughs> speak. Not my landlord. My, our landlord's fantastic. The heat is always on. But uh, yeah, if your heat goes out, you might not have the energy to go call your landlord to ask for help. Right? You're just going to sit there in the cold until it warms up enough that you can stagger down the hallway to the super. So, for instance, power outages be devastating right yeah like wow if the power went out in the city well they're still humans so they they would have to really basically people would have to start burning things well but only if you wanted to do stuff if you're if you're okay just hanging out literally just sitting on the couch literally netflix and chilling right <laughs> if you're okay with that then it's then it's not a big deal and so the whole city when, so the power goes out in New York City and everybody just sits on their couches, not doing anything until it warms up. But also, I guess what I'm seeing is that the, the, because the body has no, the, these cold-blooded people have no ability to slow down the, the you know, the, they can stay warm longer. But it's sort of a little bit have a battery inside them and a mechanism that keeps fighting to stay warm even as the outdoor temperature drops, it isn't a matter of them simply even throwing a blanket on and then throwing another no, yeah, sweater. That's right. that won't, that, that's right. Throwing a blanket on won't help because a blanket just retains heat you've already got. So basically, it, you, you cold-blooded creatures become cold much faster. Yeah. That's but really weird. Yeah. But, that's, but they've evolved for that to be normal for them, right? They don't, they don't panic. They just get, they just get slow. I go, it's cold again. I guess I'm going to sit here until it gets warm. So really, though, the the way to. Yeah, if if the power goes out, suddenly, like all of New York, (laughs) you don't you don't have problems with like. People running amok and burning things and (laughs) just to stay warm. Uh, Not too much anyway. Everybody just like, yeah. So those who do have, if they have, you know, some sort of continuous form of heat, mm-hmm. they're all going to huddle around that. Yep, that's right. We'll all huddle, and those closer to the heat will be able to do stuff. Yeah, and we'll we'll have the will. <laughs> that's right. Literally, literally, the ability to do stuff. So they'll be in the middle, you know, making plans and writing novels and inventing things. And then the next ring out, people are writing short stories and fixing stuff and not inventing them. And then, and then way on the edge, people are just standing there waiting for enough energy to get generated that they can push a little closer. 
and then and then the next ring of people beyond that is they're just like well they're they're in hibernation mode i guess you would say yeah they're kind of like that so hibernation is essentially a, a, a way for warm-blooded creatures to kind of fake being cold-blooded for a few months right which is an interesting interesting kind of retro evolutionary strategy wow so the whole city goes in, yeah either hibernation mode or they're they're just frozen they're although it's interesting like you say that they it doesn't it's just saying that cold-blooded creatures can actually survive better in the cold than we can yeah. because they shut down that's right they just shut down because they, they don't need to you know cold is super dangerous for us because it can shut down those biochemical pathways you know prevent us from maintaining homeostasis and then we die presumably lizards can freeze to death too but i'll bet they've got to get really cold ah wow that's interesting so the power goes out everyone sort of slows down but we've all ad we've adapted to deal with this so as soon as those who manage to stay close to the power station and restore the electricity mm -hmm. when it comes cool. on again or the heat or whatever everybody wakes up and continues about their day yeah they just keep going like okay we're back now so like weather forecasts super important because if it's 10 degrees warmer tomorrow that means you can build a house or something right whatever it is you want to do um, and if it's going to be cold tomorrow you've got to say okay we've got to postpone curing cancer right we can't do it because it'll be too cold and like, energy would be very expensive i would think because it's like you would like to build just, houses you need a light really precious yeah 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 wow so it's it's the uh, it's uh, hibernate. It's the product productive ones versus the hibernators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. It was an epic battle for all time. Yeah, yeah we just want to we just want to Netflix and chill. Okay, but we can't continue to make Netflix if we don't have some heat around. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Fascinating. All right, if those of you who are listening. And I know there's a lot of creative ones out there. There's a lot of people who are close to that fire of creativity and are writing long things or making long audio things or visual things or dance mm -hmm. or Legos, <laughs> whatever your preferred the Really form. important stuff. Yeah, actually, Legos are pretty good. Anywhere within that ring, if you're not one of the hibernators, like I would prefer to be if I didn't have to go to work, but... Create some visions. I'd love to see some visions of this. Yeah, that would be great. I think there's a quick shout out, by the way. We, we haven't uh, spoken to them in a while. I'd love to reconnect with the, you guys at the Non Sequitur Show. If any of you listen to the Non Sequitur Show, they, uh, we did a Flat Earth episode with them, them once, and one of their uh, listeners had created a, uh, like an image of, of a, what a Flat Earth might look like. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And they're, they're a video show. They're on YouTube, so they had that on the screen, and we could all talk about that. So, what's the matter with you, Ifers? That's I I off uh, let us challenge the non sequitur audience. Ooh. I am creating controversy. This, they don't even know it's coming. <laughs> they don't even know. <laughs> they have no idea they're being challenged. Rise, cold blooded if army. Let us at least get, it it doesn't have to be a competition. Let's just at least get up to you know their level. Somebody make one thing. If one of you out there could make here's a contest for the very best. All of them I will put on the website regardless. Awesome. Yeah. As long as it doesn't offend uh, my cat. Uh, 
feedback at whattheif.com is uh, is the place you could send that. Share it with us in whatever form. What does this world look like of where humans evolved, evolved in cold-blooded? And a big, big thank you to Hallie Franks, our super ifer who, who submitted this really cold-blooded idea. <laughs> Ruthless. I feel like, uh, what's that Clint Eastwood character? Uh, is this your lucky day? About Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry becomes the, the leader of the cold-blooded planet. Thank you, Hallie, and, and uh, gratitude for your helping us spread uh, science literacy and feed our imaginations and perhaps nightmares. <laughs> you will be receiving a finger puppet from the Unemployed Philosophers Guild. Their website is philosophersguild.com. They're just, they're just friends of ours, and they, just, they make these smart, funny toys for smart, funny people. If you go to their website, you're just going to laugh your butt off. And if you want to buy something, by the way, they uh, are such big fans of our show. They have offered 10% off. This is literally just like a, like a, because we love you thing. Uh, and they're good people over there. Shout out to Jay and Meg, the Unemployed Philosophers Guild. 10% off if you go to philosophersguild.com. Anything, you can buy anything you want, not just a finger of it. And you enter the code, here it is, WTIF. That's it. Put that in the coupon code thing and you get, boom, 10% off. And Hallie, you'll be getting it for free because you're a super iffa. You'll be getting a finger puppet of a beloved scientist or science fiction character. Subscribe if you haven't already to the show so that you... It's kind of like being cold-blooded. You subscribe and then therefore the show is all, all automatically shows up on your podcast listening device, probably your phone. Uh, your cell phone. You can also go to our website. And by the way, if, you, if you're not sure how, to, how do I subscribe, just go to the website, whattheif.com and click the subscribe link right at the upper left corner there. Big old subscribe. I think it has an exclamation mark. Just so you know, that's the place to be. And then it'll just say, well, you want Apple? You want Android? Boom. You're done. And contact us. Feedback at whattheif.com. You can do that on the website. You can just shoot us an email. You can also follow us on Twitter at whattheifshow. And by the way, if you want, if you're creating uh, any kind of creative thing based on any of our previous shows, throw it up there on Twitter, and we'll all have fun with it. Also, leave us a review on iTunes. If you're enjoying the show, we really appreciate it. It's super helpful, probably the single most helpful thing for helping people find the show and helping our audience grow, so we can get more super ifers next week. Who knows? We, we'll see. It we are we're warm blooded, so we're likely to make it at least till next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we can keep the food coming. Yeah. Yes. Keep the ding dong. <laughs> uh, names of ding dongs have changed over the years. It was King Dons for a while. I, I feel like I think it is back to ding dongs. But anyway, any hostess product, I'm with you. If we could get hostess as a sponsor, all I ask is that they send me ho hos. Just keep the ho-hos coming. Ho-hos, ding-dongs, and cupcakes also. But uh, yeah, ho-hos being the primo. The primo. Mm-hmm. The apex, the peak. Yes. So as I will feed myself with hostess treats, chocolate creamy treats mm. for the next week, I will be so fueled up. We will be fired. I will eat ho-hos. You will eat ding-dongs. And by the time next week comes around, we'll be on such a sugar high. 
<laughs> that we will scream what, what the, the if, 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 if.